Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another exciting edition of SFP Now, uh, the first one that we've had in a little while um, due to a uh, Comic Con life and and everything else. Um, and we're going to be discussing the um, our reaction to the various Doctor Who things that went down in Comic Con, um, as well as um, sort of like any new news that's fallen between now and then. We're still not we're still not clear on a on a premiere date, but you know. By the time we have this all edited up and, and ready to go, it won't surprise me if the premiere date is is announced then. <laughs> so, yeah. but jo- joining joining us as always is is Ra- Raisa, and the first part of the show we're gonna do some dots who stuff, and then we're gonna do some reaction to the um, to the recent um, announcements that have been made in regards to the uh, DC television universe. So, um, away we go. Um, I seen the uh, the Comic Con panel for Doctor Who. Yeah, it was it was a serviceable Comic Con panel, but then most of the Comic Con panels can be described as that because they have a very paradoxical situation where they're expected to show up, but they but none of them for any of these shows can actually say anything substantial. Yeah, well, that that's not like. Um... I don't think anyone was expecting anything substantial for Dot Two, but I think I think the build up to it was crap. You know, yeah, I, just, I, just, I just thought the train. I thought the teaser trainers were rubbish. Uh, they didn't really give us any 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 feel for the new Doctor at all. No, um, they didn't. Or, or, or the companions, for that matter. It was sort of like uh, they're just like just very boring. You know, very boring Doctor Who teaser trainers. And you know, if you look at the Peter Capaldi era and, and the Matt Smith era, you had these uh, awesome trainers where you know, yeah, you had the Doctor and Companion running around, and you know, you seen seen flashes of all the different alien races that are going to show up in the series. Yeah, those season. those were great trailers, and they, and I was always psyched after them. I'm not psyched for this now. And you know, and I'm so like, um, I'm just hoping it's good. Yeah, um, that's where I'm at. I mean, I'm I'm at a place now where you know I don't ring really give a toss about it being a female doctor. No, that's not the point. I and just want good writing. I never have given a toss about being a female doctor, but where I have given a toss about is um, all, all the all the third way feminism that was sort of like leaked into the scripts of uh, of of Stephen Moffat's uh, series over the last two years. Was yeah. like it was two on the nose. And it was and. The educated rumors that I've read suggest that one of the reasons that Capaldi was pushed out was because they they wanted to to do more of that and they didn't feel like they could with him. So. Mm. They they probably have 
have had a better chance of doing more of that with with um, with Matt Smith or Smith or David Tennant, uh, to be honest. But he was just too too much on the nose. Um, it's sort of like um, I'm I'm fine for um, for science fiction and fantasy to be reflecting current day issues, so long as it's actually cleverly weaved into the storyline. And and you actually have to think about it, but when 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 they're actually just so sort of like coming straight out with dying of that, so so in, in in your face, you're not having to think about anything. It's just so sort of like it's too unknown, and it's so sort of like irrespective of whether you agree with that, agree with the, the the these philosophies or not, it's just so sort of like it's not it's it's gotten to a point now where where it's no longer entertaining. Yeah, and the problem I have is I've. Over the past several years, I've, I've systemically gone off of allegory, and one of the reasons why I have is because uh, in a lot of these shows, the allegory is no longer allegory. It's just sort of there. Um, it's it's too it's too on the nose, and I'm and I don't need that. Um, I, I I preferred it when it was a little more embedded, a little more subtle, and um, and that's not what they're giving us now, which means that they either just don't care anymore, or they're just not going to give the audience credit and they don't they don't care about how we react to these things they're just checking boxes mm-hmm. i mean what you know i actually thought the panel was okay um you know i thought i thought jodie whittaker came across well she did and and, she did. and, and the new companions came across well um, for what they were for what they had to do in the time they had to do it in, they did it solidly they did they did a good job of it chris chibnall didn't come across all that one at all. He, sound, he sounded like he was uh, reading from a script. He did a bit, yeah. You know, and, you know, it is a thing, you know, um, I, I shown you that video a while back uh, from the 1986 season of Doctor Who when he got asked and, uh, and and they're all talking about the storylines and Chris Chibnall was one of the panellists from Doctor Who fan group. Yes, back when he was a baby. Yes. Back when he was yeah, probably right. 14 or something. <laughs> I'm just hoping that those comments in in light of the situation, I'm just hoping that those comments in that video, uh, for his sake, I'm hoping that it doesn't come back to bite him on the butt. Yeah. You know, but I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to come out of it. Um, since Dot 2 came back, there's a certain element of the, of the original series fan base that never really embraced the new series. Yeah, and, and for a reason. I get, I get the criticism. I, I, I understand the criticism, and I, I share some of the criticism, and I've just been tamping it down um, because I'm, I'm loath to just abandon the series altogether, although I might if it came, if it came to it, but I, I, I'm not there yet. I'm not quite there yet, but it's sort of like it's, um, you know, you can actually see the criticisms now. I mean, um, as it's as it's sort of like it's getting more and more, so it's in your face. Um, I mean, I, I actually rewatched Midnight a couple of weeks ago with uh, with my mate Dominic, which was one of uh-huh. Russell T. Davis's last scripts, and that was a freaking awesome Doctor Who story. It was. It was, and 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 the um, and the three episodes that followed it, turn left, and and those last two Dalek episodes were awesome as well. Yes. So you know what happened <laughs> because it, it seems to me that we've not really had anything like that. You know, you know the the, the Moffat era had a few had a few really good stories, sort of thing. But you know, when you when you compare it to that that last season of RTDs. Yeah, it's it's so like it seems to me like the quality of the storytelling is just you know plateaued and dropped. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully a change in showrunner is what they need. I, I'm hoping so too, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Chipno doesn't disappoint. You know, I'm hoping that he does come out with something that's going to sort of like uh, have have us all eating our words. Um, I doubt he's going to have um, some of the more hardline fans eating their words, you know, because the hardline fans will either still stay away from the show or only watch the show so it can further criticise and do it down into the ground. But um, I've got a feeling, I mean, the show's been on now for 10 years since it's returned. So it's like the 10th anniversary of the, of the new series. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think one thing, one of the good things Moffat did is he brought back the classic series into, into the new series law. Yes. And, um, and, and he did a good job of doing our first two, two seasons of that, of his run, but he started to do a little bit too much. And I think that's what, that that's one reasons that the writing sort of like suffered, um, as well as all the all the more political crap he'd been putting into it. Um, I'm hoping that you know one of the things Chibnall said he's going to do is going to be doing more original villains and original stories. So the Doctor's going to meet new people, new villains, new 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 bad guys to fight. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. I'm hoping he can do that. I'm hoping I'm hoping that that that, that you know that that these are good scripts. A lot of people are actually concerned about Chibnall taking over as a showrunner. Yeah. I'm most concerned about because one of the things that they said in the panel is that <clears throat> that the companions would all be going on a, a emotional journeys throughout the season, and that implies arcs. And got, New Doctor Who doesn't do arcs well. Well, he said that he's not going to do arcs. Says all the uh, episodes are going to be sort of like standalone stories. Oh, I must have I must have missed that bit. No, awesome. No, it's been, that's something that he's been quite adamant about over the last sort of like six months. That each episode is going to be a standalone story. Um, I think um, in regards to arc, the emotional journeys might mean you know you'll spend a bit more time on the characterizations uh-huh. of the characters. Uh, so we might actually end up with better character beats, hopefully. Hopefully that's awesome. what that means. Awesome. I, I must have missed that then. Thank um, you. Because that, that, uh, the, the arcs, um, the, cause the standalone elements in, in modern Doctor Who have been mostly very interesting to brilliant. It's the arcs that have dragged it down as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he's got, I think he's moving away from the whole Bad Wolf thing and the yeah. whole song, that story arc. Um, yeah. But... Um, I think what I think the payoff on that is going to be is that it's going to focus it more on character acts, uh, um, which you know would be somewhat similar to how Babylon Five did it, which is how which is why Babylon Five was so freaking good. Yes, because it was more about the character acts and it was about the Shadow War story arc, and between that Shadow War story arc, there was a load of standalone episodes which built on the characters and built on their relationships with each other and gave us their backstory and and their, their you know sense of their emotional state of being and stuff like that. So um I'm hoping that uh Chibnall's going that route. Yes, because um, then it will be awesome. But what I also think is I think a lot of these people are concerned about Chibnall taking over the series as showrunner. Uh-huh. Um, are basically just looking at his writing. They're, they, they're basically looking at just the episodes that he did, which weren't very good, uh-huh. to be honest. They're, they're kind of average, the three episodes that he did. Uh-huh. 
But the thing is, as showrunner, he's not writing all the episodes. He's he's basically he's basically doing 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 all the day to day stuff, and and bringing the writers in and bringing the episodes together and the characterizations together and stuff like that. So I'm not too concerned because I I know that he's a pretty good showrunner. I mean, I thought he did a great job with season two of Torchwood, which he basically showran that. He he, he he was executive producer on that. RTD was too busy with Sarah Jane Adventures and Doctor Who at the time, so all the uh, showrunning duties and Torchwood in season two went to Chris Chibnall. Yeah, and it, yeah. and it was and as a result, it was a much stronger season than season one. Yes, yes. Season one was crap, frankly. <laughs> um, but the um, so I I think um, I I think Chibnall. I'd always sounded a bit like he was reading from a script at Comic Con. Um, I think he may surprise people. Yeah. And you know, I'm kind of trying to be positive about it because, so like, um, heaven knows if you know, there's there's, there's enough negativity out there uh, with regard I, to this. And for all we know, he could have sounded like he was reading from a script because he just doesn't do public events well. Not everyone does. You know. Well, yeah, and you know, if you look at the uh, comparison to how he was at Comic Con and how he was when he was fourteen, there's literally no difference. He was very awkward as a fourteen-year-old. He was very awkward talking to the audience at Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing that the CW doesn't quite understand about teenagers. They're they're gearing the shows to the teen market, and they don't understand that teens run the gamut. Because they are simply younger versions of the adults they'll become, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they one of the, one of the problems the CW has is um, to you know to transition briefly is that they don't understand that you that um, you know that teens don't come in a one size fits all. Which is true, they don't. I mean that, that's a, that's the thing. I mean, as a teenager, well. All the other teenagers are off every Friday night and Saturday night having sets and um, getting very drunk or getting smashed out of the face on drugs. Um, I was in watching television and uh, yeah. during daytimes on the weekend, I was actually probably at some sort of sporting event because I used to do a lot of athletics and ah. and stuff like that. So television to me back then was really important because it was me my only my only respite. It was like my only downtime. <laughs> <laughs> usually after after about five hours training <laughs> uh, I was too buggered to go out you know yeah and to, and to bring it back to Doctor Who I think part of the problem I think that um, part of the problem with Modern Who is that they have the same concept of teens uh, that the CW has because it's obvious that there are large swaths of Modern Who that are geared toward teens and 20-somethings now um, think- and they and they think that the one model of what teens and 20-somethings are is the model that they need to go with. And there's no, you know, there isn't sufficient variation. Yeah, the problem is with Dot 2 now is, um, to be honest, it was, it was it's always been a production of the BBC drama department. But the BBC, back in the day, always treated it like a kid's show. Uh, and I think there's still a bit of that element to it. Um, you know, because, you know, you could you could actually say that Quite a few of the, uh, the 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 episodes with uh, Matt Smith and um, and Pete Capaldi were quite adult in theme. Hence, yes. why they'll put on later in yes. the evening. Um, 
Whereas I think when it was at his best was really uh, when, when RTD, I think RTD struck the right balance. With the exception of the Slovene, which I loathed. I think everyone loved the Slovene now. I mean, it's, <laughs> um, I mean, it took Sarah Jane to finish them off for us, and I, I kind of loathed them on that. That was sort of like a weak point for Sarah Jane. Oh, yes, too. yeah, because they not only introduced this, the Slovene for her again, but they also gave us the Blathery and their orange cousins. Yeah, God mm. help us. That was not good. But it's sort of like... Uh, it, it's kind of gotten to a point now. I think, I think what Doctor Who needs to do is it needs to sort of think of itself as family entertainment instead of sort of like trying to skew itself to one demographic or another. Yeah, uh, they, need to, they need to learn to, to walk and chew gum at the same time. And that's, what, that's, what, uh, that's one of the things that Chris Chibnall is actually repeating throughout the, uh, throughout the uh, Comic-Con thing, that um, they're, they're looking to be as inclusive as possible. So this is actually a great time for new fans to jump on board. Let's hope. Let's hope he actually means that. I, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm so like um, hoping. I'm hoping he does too. I mean, I've not watched Broadchurch, so I've no idea what that's like because I, I, you know, I've had, I've got quite a few procedurals in my life, and I just don't need another one. <laughs> it's, it was, it was very character based. Um, Whitaker was excellent in it. I'll, I'll be interested in her comedy chops. Although Broadchurch proved that she can do drama with the best of them. Um, it was it was a, it was a very sad story about uh, about about loss and about how you cope with loss, you know, legally and emotionally and socially, and what it means. And, and it, was, it was an excellent show. It was very heavy, but it was an excellent show. So you actually enjoyed it then? Yeah, yeah. So um, based on having seen that, does it actually bode well with you for Doctor Who? You know, basically, for, I just told you about the character development and and uh, yes, in 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 terms in terms of character development, in terms of not shying away from actual themes when they have to. Chip and Chip Chibnall is going to do quite well. Um, it's going to be the issue is going to be can he balance the darker stuff with the lighter stuff equally, mm-hmm. and will all three companions have equal screen time? Because it reminds me of. It was, it's strange because in the, in the first Doctor's era, when we had Barbara and Ian and Susan and then eventually Vicky, they were able to balance multiple companions well. But by the time they got around to multiple companions again for the fifth Doctor's era with Tegan and Nyssa and Andrick, it went to hell. Mm-hmm. And they actually sidelined Nyssa, who was arguably one of the most interesting classic companions they ever had but you didn't you didn't know that until big finish yeah and they they even had to kill Adric. <laughs> yes which you know um I, I was actually among those fans I actually whooped when Adric died i, I just yes I, although big finish undid that those bastards yeah <laughs> um yeah i i actually hope big finish <laughs> No, no offense to Big Finish. Um, I think they've done some great stuff, um, which is absolutely actually a brilliant segue uh-huh. um, to to uh, to Big Finish. Uh, so we've 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 um, established our, you know, that we're kind of hopeful, um, uh-huh. you know, but albeit sort of like uh, cautiously hopeful for the new series of Doctor Who when it actually airs. 
I, I hope it's soon. I'm kind of hoping that we we, we get a, get get an announcement soon in terms of a date, instead of um, announcements about new writers. <laughs> yes. Um. So, uh, big finish. Um, I know you want to talk about Nada Christina, which you've listened to, but I just finished listening to the Eleventh Doctor Chronicles. The uh, wasn't that wasn't that? that lovely? I reviewed that one too, and had some. It's excellent. We get the second adventure with Kazran Sardik. And the third with Dorian. The, the, the third with Dorian. I, I yes. actually like that third one. But my yeah. favourite one, actually, was the one with, um, with was the last one. That with, was with, with Jane Austen. With Jane Austen. Yeah. I thought that was really... That was, that was beautiful. That was absolutely beautiful. It was really, really clever and well well, well done. I, I really got involved in, in that one. Um Quite often than not, you know, and this, this is probably too much information, but I'm going to say it anyway. I actually listen to the big Finnish dramas while relaxing in a bath <laughs> with with a with a bottle of beer, <laughs> sort of thing. So I'm kind of like doing my knee majors bit um, in, yes. in a hot tub, listening to a big Finnish with a stetson on and a cigar and a beer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, but I, I got really involved in that storyline, so you know, to to a point where I got out of the bath and I was all wrinkly. <laughs> and I thought, oh my god, I've gone old. <laughs> but I, I, really, I really enjoyed that last story with the uh, with the alien that so I, um, was a uh, was turned out to be student. Um, yes, doing a, doing a, a day trip that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was I thought it was really funny, but you know, also at the same time really clever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Clever use of the use of the characters and um you know Yeah, and, let me let me look that one up for for those who um that one is called False Coronets. It's the fourth episode of uh, of the Eleventh Doctor Chronicles. It's the it's the first of the Eleventh Doctor Chronicles sets and um a, an impressionist by the name of Jacob Dedman, who was recruited off of YouTube, is was the one who played the 11th Doctor. He also played the 10th Doctor for it, another 10th Doctor set. I thought his 11th Doctor was actually better than his 10th Doctor. Yeah, um, well, he, did, <laughs> he did actually admit to actually finding the 11th Doctor much easier because it's close to the way he speaks anyway. Mm, okay. Um, um, in you know, in the extras on at the end of each series. I mean, I I um I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He was better than the guy that got to do Pertwee. Yes, yeah, that's saying something because Tim Trelaw, who does Pertwee uh, as the Third Doctor, isn't chop liver. Mm-hmm. So, and also uh, much better than, um, than 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 the Ninth Doctor one as well. Um, well, that was that was because the Ninth Doctor was done by Nicholas Briggs, and yeah. it was just not effective. He, 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 unfortunately, he wasn't. You know, he's the, he, the, you know, he can't. He needs to sort of like ring me up and listen to me talk for about an hour or two. Yeah. And and, and then he'll be a bit closer to, to <laughs> Mr. Eccleston. Um, he needs to make me say fantastic about um, Gizzingian times. <laughs> e, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's not like um, I, I thought the stories were good on the Ninth Doctor one. It's just that you know it just sounded like Nicholas Briggs trying to speak like a man and it didn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. What I was what I was amazed by is yes, they set up Kazran Sardik as taking these annual Christmas adventures with the Doctor and in, in, uh, in the Christmas Carol Christmas special, but actually setting that up and paying it off 
in the way they have mm. are two different things. And they've actually come up with really good stories. I mean, they, they included Catherine Sardik in um, probably my favorite Dalek story of all time, Any Medium, where he is left on his own with Churchill in ancient Rome, uh, no, in, uh, in ancient Britain. Mm-hmm. And they've got it, and they've got to go up against the dogs. Is that in the Churchill box set? That's in the Churchill box set. Yes. Yeah, I thought thought I recognised that. Yeah, because I remember yeah. that. I remember listening to that and really liking that story. Yes, and they've they've managed to find really interesting things to do with Kazran Sardik and and having him transplant people who became his ancestors from the planet that they ended up on to Ember, where he's from, so that he's actually very much a founding father, uh, even beyond the degree to which that was already established, was kind of wonderful. I think another thing that they need to do is, they, you know, the BBC needs to hire some of the big finishes writers to um, to do Dalek stories, if they ever do more Dalek stories, which won't be this year. Uh, no, and I'm actually glad of that. I said one of the things I said in the Lady Christina review. I don't know if you had time to read it. One of the things I said in the Lady Christina review is the Lady Christina box set um, proves that the BBC was right to give the BBC to give Big Finish the spinoff rights um, because the, the BBC couldn't have done as good a job as Big Finish has done if they had kept them. And uh, if they had if they had done the stories themselves, the the format of BBC television doesn't allow for these stories to be told the way that they need to be told. It's not just that either. It's just that, you know, the BBC, the making dots who um, as a TV series and, they, you know, since the series returned um, in 2005, it's been made um, at much faster pace. Than it, than it used to be made. If you, if you remember, it used to be serialised. You used to have something like um, a five-part story over five weeks or a six-part story over six weeks, each uh-huh. episode being 25 minutes long. And, um, you know, and the pacing was a lot different back then. There was a lot more meat on the bones. There was a lot more character beats and, and yeah. a lot more subtleties to the, to the storytelling. And um, basically, since Doctor Who has come back, uh, the BBC made it with a view to something like uh, so it's not just entertaining a UK audience, but they're making it with a view to trying to trying to sort of like uh, capitalise on on the um, on the franchise from a global point of view. And one one of the biggest markets for that is the US and Canada. Yeah. And so so because of that, the the, the story the, the story beats are a lot faster. They are. In fact, I've said this before. One of my favorite Doctor Who character beats of all time is one is in the third Doctor episode, um, the Time Monster. It's the one where the Doctor, the third Doctor, and Joe end up in Atlantis. And there's a point in the episode. I highly recommend this. It's um, it's it's it's. Uh, there's a point in the episode where the third Doctor and Joe are in Atlantean chains in in prison because they spend a lot of time in prison plus and and the doc, and joe who is versed in escapology because that's one of the courses she took when she joined unit is having trouble getting out of atlantean chains her her course did not cover atlantean chains and she's beginning to despair <laughs> and and the third doctor to to cheer her up basically says he goes into this uh, this marvelous marvelous anecdote about 
existential Gallifrey and Daisies about how when he was a boy, he was despairing and he stumbled onto the, um, the Gallifreyan who eventually became a rebel and went to earth to become a Buddhist monk. And this time Lord basically says, don't despair because look over there in the, in the weeds are these little yellow flowers. And Pertwee delivers it perfectly. He actually takes the time to talk about these these existential Gallifreyan daisies while they're while they're in Atlantean prison chained, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful. And I haven't seen a moment like it anywhere in the new series, anywhere. Mm. Yeah, you would have seen loads of moments like that in the in the classic series. Yeah, and it's just so it's kind of sad that 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 you know. In order for it to be successful around the world, um, or, or in order for the BBC to think it to be successful around the world, it's kind of had to shed quite a lot of its Britishness. Yes. Um, but that said, most of our shows are kind of made to, to sell to the American audience now. So maybe, uh, maybe we're just getting old. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's part of it. I think that is definitely part of it. Although I think our sensibilities were arguably different to start with. I mean, when I, I am 45 now, I will age out of the 18 to 49 demographic in five years. You're a little bit older than I am. When we both have officially aged out of the 18 to 49 demographic, I think it'll be a formality. And I don't think either of us will even care. Because I think with a few exceptions here and there, they were never really talking to us to begin with. And certainly not in recent years. I, I still enjoy I still enjoy the Flash and I still enjoy the CW shows. It's just that I, I, I kind of go in with quite low expectations. I do too. And, and I do too at this point. Legends is brilliant and uh, Black Lightning is extremely promising. Um, the others, I'm just sort of watching to enjoy what I can when I can. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one trend I'm hoping that ends... Um, in the next few years, is uh, this this sort of like remaking of much more franchises? It seems oh to be going yeah. on and on and on. I mean, we've had a Hawaii Five O, which I don't mind so much because I was never into the original series, and I quite yeah. like Hawaii Five O, the new one. Uh-huh. Um, but MacGyver, I just you know, I just and then, like. And then they're 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 redoing Magnum PI as the next one. I'm like Christ. You know what? I'm kind of the same about Madden PA as I am with Y5O. I'm probably going to give it a chance mm. because I didn't really get into Magnum PI when it was on. Mm. So, it, you know, I might end up liking that. You know, I don't yeah. know. Hopefully. Um, I, I never want to see any of their MacGyver ever again. That one, that one really just turned me off so badly. Yeah, so I kind of I kind of stopped reviewing it, but there was a they did an episode last year where they had the original actor that played Murdoch. They had him come back. Oh. Um, and he came back as a the guy that trained the modern day Murdoch. Oh, I might actually have to look that one up then. Sort of thing. Um, but I can't remember the title of it. But the, that's all right. I'll go on IMDb. I'll figure it out. But he did. He did come. He, he did come back. Um, and also, they uh, they brought back. Uh, forget the name of the actor now. Uh, Bruce McGill. Bruce McGill. They brought him back for an episode where he played a, played a, a police officer that was interrogating the new MacGyver. Uh-huh. And you know, 
those scenes between him and McGill were brilliant. It's just so ah. like, it, but it just goes to show you uh, how bad the the actor is that plays the current Jack Dalton. Oh Lord! <laughs> you know, when you when when you see him on screen with McGill and the chemistry he has there when he's being interrogated, and then see him um, up against um, Dalton, ah. the, the new Jack Dalton, it's just like. Um, the, the, you know, it needs to be called Team MacGyver. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, because it's so like it's it's no nowhere near the same show, and 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 whatnot. And uh, I mean, I've been watching the uh, I've been rewatching the original series again. It's got it all on DVD. But uh, we've got a cable channel here in the UK called CBS Action, uh-huh. which shows a lot of the shows a lot of the old CBS shows. This one is a new stuff. This one is some of the uh, NCIS stuff. And that, so I'll sometimes dip into that. And another show I've been revisiting recently is Sanctuary. I'm up to the season two finale. Mm. So, I'm that was excellent. Sanctuary was one of my favorites. Sanctuary was my big show. Uh, and then once that one was cancelled, I had to find another show. And I think I went from Sanctuary to Warehouse, Thir- Warehouse 13. So. I, I think Warehouse 13 was still on when was airing, you know, in conjunction with Sanctuary more on us. I think we probably went from Sanctuary to the the back half of Leverage to Song like Librarians. Uh, but maybe, yeah, it sounds better. Um, but yeah, me, moving off of Dot uh, 2, unless you want to mention, talk about the Lady Christina. Oh, yes, uh, the, the Lady Christina. Um, again, um, I, I don't know what the BBC would have done with the character, but Big Finish has proven that um, that the character has legs. Um, Michelle Ryan crushed it. I mean, she just utterly crushed it um, to the to the point that I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that she um, she wasted her time with the bionic woman because this was the kind of role that she should have always been playing. Um, and she said in the extras that uh, her her role as Lady Christina is the one thing that she gets the most fan mail for, other than the bionic woman reboot. And so she she'd been um, she'd been waiting for this because the fans had asked her about whether she was coming back. She probably gets and more more fan mail for EastEnders, though. Still, that's, and she said some too for that because she was in EastEnders for bloody years. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, and, Oh. And um, the what's interesting is that for the second episode, Skin Deep, by James Goss, uh, they bring Sylvia Noble back. Mm. Uh, they bring uh, Donna's mom. And um, she's she's played by Jacqueline King, the actress who played her on the show. I love that they bring some of these actors back. And it's, it's a real character piece for Sylvia Noble, because Sylvia was not um, one of the most sympathetic um, characters out there and yeah, they, they actually managed to put some layers on her and I think it's probably um, my favourite character piece in the set mm, I, mean, I, I felt that you know Donna's mum was quite nasty really she that, she that was and she and she still is she's not, she's not it's not that she's not nasty it's, it's that they managed to find a balance between the intrinsic nastiness and and a, and a more layered approach for storytelling purposes. And again, I think that's just big finish taking the time to work that out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, it's the kind of thing that we were not going to get uh, if if the character had been left to continue with the BBC. 
it's definitely one of their strengths. So I'll give them that. You know, it's one 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 reasons I quite enjoy the big finish stuff when 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 they, when they get around to it. Um, it's just sort of like is you know it's, with me I can only listen to an hour at a time because so like my my day's so full at the moment with the music and everything else I saw. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. So. I kind of um, when when the big box sets come out, I have to sort of like listen to them over the weekend, so I can actually cram it all in and just write the review on Sunday night or something, so it's ready for Monday. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so th- that's one of the reasons I gave class a miss. Yeah, I, I gave class a miss because when I watched, I just didn't like the mythology for the show. That just wasn't that just wasn't a part of the universe I wanted to hang in. Um. I didn't mind it so much. I think it could have gone, gone, you know, to to some interesting places um, had it been allowed another season or two. Um, you know, I quite, I quite like the characters, um, but it's all like um, I just think, I just think it was sort of like um, maybe trying a little bit too hard. That's what I was thinking. I mean, it's just. Um... Yeah, it's, it, it felt like they were trying to mash together Torchwood and Sarah Jane Adventures and, and didn't quite do either show justice. Mm. <laughs> totally. It's like they, there, was, there was a schizophrenia to it that I didn't like. Yeah, they were trying to do Buffy, I think. Um, they're, um, trying to, they're trying to merge, you know, go, they're trying to find some middle ground between Buffy, Torchwood and Sarah Jane and it's sort of like... Um, and because of that, it just sort of lacked its own identity. I think it, it did, and I and I, I mean, I'm glad that you like the characters, but the whole thing kind of just turned me off, and I just it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't somewhere I wanted to spend my time. Yeah. So. Well, I, I just I just didn't bother reviewing them because I'm like I'm kind of waiting for the next um, the, the next um, original Doctor title to come along. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think I think they've got a, a Hartnell story coming up with the Daleks. Yes, yes, and which which brings me to um, the first Doctor Adventures um, gave us uh, two really lovely stories, including a historical that um, makes us yearn for the historicals and more called the Barbarians and this MRI. Oh, that was brilliant! Oh God, that was beautiful. No, that was so. That that was the strongest story on on that set. Yeah, and I, I think I liked the uh, invention of death a little bit more than you did simply because I thought it was rather daring of them to go there thematically. But I can understand why, as a holistically speaking, the barbarians and the samurai was the stronger of the two. And it was a straight-up historical. The only the only science fantasy element was the fact that a time machine got them there. Mm-hmm. So, you, and, so, so you actually read my review of it? <laughs> yes. Um, so you, you can usually tell... the. Um, when 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 I write my reviews, because it's something I never really, you know you know never really saw like explore, but whenever I write them, can you usually tell which which stories I liked best over the yes, ones that I didn't? Yes, usually like so I much? can. Yeah. yeah. So I I usually I because I don't always say outright, don't I? Sometimes I'm quite subtle about it. And yeah, yeah. You know, because for review purposes, we want we want to tell you know audiences about the whole package and we try not to we try not to let the biases get in but occasionally they do Mm. yeah that's a difficult thing isn't it in the biases get in (laughs) yes and we and we both have a soft spot for historicals doctor who historicals done well are wonderful and uh Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i love the historicals and um 
you know, it's funny because uh, one, one of the first uh, actual Hartnung historicals I actually watched was Romans. That's an excellent one. Yeah, um, not quite as good as not quite as good as the Aztecs, but close. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so I, I'm hopefully gonna 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 make time to see the Aztecs at some point or other. I've still not seen it. It's one of those stories I've not not viewed yet. But I know, it's excellent. It's excellent, and it's um, it features features one of the first conversations about the morality of time travel, and mm-hmm. and, and it demonstrates retroactively what a piss poor teacher Clara Oswald actually was and, and how it was just idiotic for her to go on about having the duty of care because Barbara is the one who has the, the argument with the doctor and even though she takes the wrong stance relative to what they're trying to do her stance comes from a genuine duty of care yep and it's, well, it's, it's intrinsic to Barbara in a way that it wasn't intrinsic to Clara yeah, but I think I think there were actually higher standards for teachers back then, to be honest. And that could be too. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm, may, may, maybe I'm just being snide <laughs> to all, all the young, younger people that have actually qualified. Um, but then again, not my, my niece has actually done very well in her exams uh, this weekend. So I'm really, you know, she got her results cool. this week, and I'm, you know, cool. really, really proud of her. I don't know what she's got in terms of marks, but uh, my sister says it's good. So, you know, so I'll ask on, on Saturday and uh, so I'm really proud of her. Uh, cool. She's interested in criminal psychology. Oh, OK. So, uh, I'll, that'll work as a career. So I, I'm kind, I kind of have to watch my step around my niece, uh, you know, with my, my deviant behaviour and getting tattoos and and, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and and doing strange things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, move, you know, moving on, Barbara in in the um, in 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 the uh, in in the Doctor Who story that we that, that we're talking about, she 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 was again the the focal point. She she was the historian. Um, yes. That sort of like kind of had some foreknowledge of of what they were getting into. She and, she had she had done her thesis on this period, and so she went on at length at various points about, about what they were actually dealing with and why they were dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, uh, and it was, and it was, it was excellent. And it was excellent because it was just a straightforward Kurosawa style samurai story that dealt with those characters and, and dealt with their, their, their interactions and their interplay in, in a way that uh, that the, the series is currently missing. Yeah, so. there didn't seem to be any sort of alien involvement in it either. Um, no. It seems to me that since since the show's returned, whenever they do histo- do an historic uh, episode, there has to be some sort of alien behind the scenes. Scenes like when they did the Shakespeare Code, you had the witches. Yeah, they, the, although the Shakespeare Code was an excellent episode, another example is um, Vincent and the Doctor, where they brought in Vincent Van Gogh. It was an excellent character piece, and I'm glad they did it. But the the alien was almost superfluous. Mm-hmm. You know, it, whereas on like uh, the the um, the Hartnell box set, um, as it were, which was which was basically uh, David Bradley. Uh, doing mm-hmm. his best Hartnell impersonation. Well, not an impersonation. He's made it his old ring. Really. Yes, um, he has. It's it's excellent. 
he, he kind of like um, they, you know they do they do they do historic story with the with the classic doctors and it's basically a, a historical storyline, uh, yes. but with with modern social mores applied. Yes. Um, you know, questioning was this right sort of thing. Um, you know, and 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 kind of sort of like having to put those social mores aside to let things play out as they as they were supposed to play out. Yes, yeah, and and this for those who don't know, they they utilize the cast. There there are two there are two formats for the first Doctor. There there is the the companion companion chronicle style where they have actors narrating stories. And then there's the full cast, and what they've done for the full cast with the first Doctor is they've brought in the cast of the uh, Adventure Space and Time, Adventure in Space and Time movie that they did a few years ago with uh, David Bradley and uh, Jimma Powell and, and and the others, and it's it's excellent. Yeah, what's the name of the actress now that plays Susan in the new one? Yes, yeah, she's she rocks. She it's uh, it's uh, David Bradley as the Doctor, Claudia Grant as Susan, Gemma Powell as Barbara, and Jamie Glover as Ian Chesterton, and they're all excellent. But uh, Claudia Grant as Susan is scary. Uh, Claudia, she, yeah, she's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I actually um, I remember uh, I wrote my review on the first box that day they released back in January of this year, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I particularly praised her performance as Susan. You know, yes. And, uh, and what happened is Claudia Grant's on Twitter and she retweeted it and she, you know, she, she gave it a thumbs up. She liked it. Oh. And, and I was sort of thinking, oh, my God, I'm blushing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, you know, when, when I write these things, I don't really expect people to latch onto them. I just saw, like, I just put it out there and, uh, and just saw, like, I'm, I'm kind of like the sort of person, I'm, oh, let's just put this out there and see what happens. I yeah, like I, I kind of reacted the same way when um, when Chase Masterson retweeted and, and liked some of my um, my Vienna reviews because she stars in a absolutely brilliant uh, Big Finish range called Vienna that they basically mm-hmm. wrote for her and around her. And, uh, and, and she retweeted some of those and I was like, yes! Yeah, Chase Masterson's awesome though. She is. She is. You know, she's she's, she's so like uh, such an awesome person, and um, you know, an, an awesome ambassador for science fiction and 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 television and 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 for the fans in general, really. Yeah, she's she's brilliant. She's 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 what you need for for the for the for the PR and just, and also just the love. You can tell she loves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, should we move on to the uh, DCU universe now? Yes, yes, let's. Let's do it. Um, okay, well, one thing I'm excited about is uh, Superman coming back. For oh, the yes. Arrow fact, crossover. To this, to this day, I do not know why they haven't just handed Hawkland his own spinoff. They need to. Yeah, but before they do that, they need to, they need to have a... Um, have a scene in the uh, in the crossover where Supergirl breaks bad and gets possessed by some some demon or something, and Super Superman kicks her ass just to sort of balance the scale. Yes, yeah. <laughs> because you know, 
the 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 season two finale where 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 she kicks his butt and she's going oh I beat you and I beat you and she's gloating and stuff like that I still I still want to punch her in the face after that yeah yeah you know because in in the comics they they they, they wouldn't be able to sort of like get the better of each other I know you know and and it's so like, still goes against the comics and it's just sort of like going against the comics for the sake of girl power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. in the comics, they're equals. They, they, you know, if they, they, they got into a fight, the fight would still be going on from now to the end of bloody time. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I kind of want to see, see that, you know, sort of like evened out. I'm also excited about the fact that along with um, Tyler Hoechlin, they're actually going to introduce Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Finally, we're going to get Lois. So... I'm hoping to get someone good to play her. Yes, yeah. Um, and not like um, because I think the I think the previous two the previous Superman movies, um, Superman Returns with uh, Ralph, which was okay. Yeah. And um, the the new Superman movies, um, I just think those actresses, great actresses, sort of thing, but they they're not convincing as Lois Lane. No, they um, they need to find somebody who can do bring to it what Margot Kidder brought to it, what and what Terry Hatcher brought to it. Mm-hmm. Um, some some more if they, if they can find a way to sort of performatively combine those two, they'll find what they need. Yeah, because sort of like the uh, you know the, 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 you know she she's a straight nice reporter, yeah, but she's also got um, a sense of humanity and a sense of humor. Yes. Did I tell you that there um, that um, uh, Terry Hatcher tweeted uh, pictures of herself cosplaying as Lois at, at Comic Con, one of the Comic Cons recently? Did she? Yeah, she actually will cosplay as Lois at, at various Comic Cons now. I bet she still looks apart as well, don't she? Still looks. She does. Yeah, she's aging extremely well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Um, I, I, you know, I, I remember seeing her back in the old series as MacGyver as Penny Parker. Oh yes, and she was, yes. She was quiet. Um, I won't say chubby, but she had a lot of baby fat. Yeah, she's she said. lost the weight. She's she's she thinned out. And and she she and I think by the time after after Lois and Clark, she thinned out a little bit too much. Yes, she did. <laughs> so I'm yeah. kind of hoping she's put a little bit back on. <laughs> Yeah, she she looks like she put a little bit back on. Maybe not all of it that she needed to, but some of it. Mm. Yeah. But you um, know, I, I like um, I, I like Terry Hatcher in in those. I mean, and the contrast between Penny Parker and Lois Lane again. You know, Penny well, Parker because Terry Hatcher can actually act. You know. You know. So. Exactly. And, and that, that just shows her range, going from Penny Parker, who's kind of like. Um, she did. Not, not, not the sharpest tune in the box. Yeah. <laughs> she was. She was written. She was. Penny Parker was purposely designed as a modern, or what was at the time a modern variation of um, the Perils of Pauline. She was. She was the scream queen. The scream queen wall. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 that was fine. And at that point in her career, that was exactly the sort of role that Terry Hatcher needed. And. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and she did, and she did quite well at it. And, uh, I mean, the thing is, she does comedy well, but she also does drama well. Yes, yes. You know, and I, I sort of really liked her returning um, in Supergirl a couple of years back. I kind of wanted. Oh, to that was in. excellent because she she loved it because she had never played a villain before. 
She d- she'd done she'd done a lot of things and proven that she had range, but none of her roles up to that point had been a baddie role. So she she, she really enjoyed playing that. I don't know. I mean, wasn't she? What was that housewife show she was in? Was that Desperate Housewives that, something? Desperate Housewives, but she wasn't a baddie in that role. The, the closest thing they had to, to a baddie in that one was the Nicolette Sheridan role. Yeah, but she kind of played a bitchy-ish character, though, wasn't she? She was still kind of bitchy. More, bitchy is a relative term. Bitchy relative to to Lois and uh, and and to Penny, but she she there was a, also a sweetness there. So. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think if they... Well, they've already done a modern version of Dynasty and um, I only watched one episode and I couldn't watch any more. I couldn't even get that far. I'm like, no. <laughs> but I, I, I just think if they if they were to redo Dynasty again... Yeah. Someone like Terry Hatcher would, would actually do brilliant Joan Collins sort of character. The, the scary thing is that they brought in Nicolette Sheridan, Terry's co-star on Desperate Housewives, who played the... the the equivalent to the baddie role, the equivalent to the Alexis role on Desperate Housewives. They brought her in as the modern day Joan Collins, and I, did, I didn't watch it, but I, you know, because I, I didn't, I didn't want to judge because Joan Collins just crushed it when she came into that. So. Well, jo- Joan Collins crushes everything. <laughs> she does. She does. No, she's, you know, she's, you know, again, she's, she's a brilliant actress who sort of like was a. Um, Perhaps very, very underrated. Um, she was, and it's, and you can see how scarily underrated she was when you watch her play Edith Keeler in, um, in the in, in the in the classic Star Trek episode. Yeah, City on the Edge of Forever. I mean, City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah, because she had quite she she had quite a ho- promising Hollywood career, and a kind I think knife kind of got in the way, and then she she made that comeback to do Star Trek in that episode. So I'm like. Didn't quite relaunch it because she did saw like a few, few, few daft films like the, like the Stud and the Bitch, which were, you know, huge cult hits at the time after they'd been released. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. You know, um, I, I don't think it was until Di- Dynasty that she really got to saw like uh, she got a lot of material to get her teeth into. Even though Dynasty at the time in the eighties was just high camp. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's a lot to be said for high camp. If you if you know how to play high camp, you can go far. Mm-hmm. If you if you, if you do it properly, it's awesome. I mean, I I used to love watching the original Dynasty with Mum. <laughs> yeah, Dynasty was awesome. Although I have to say, I actually prefer the Colbys because there's something that there was something about getting Charlton Heston and Ricardo Montalban in the same room fighting over Stephanie Beecham that just dialed the camp up to eleven hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! Oh god, I don't know how we've gone from talking about DC to soaps, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. These things happen. But back on DC, um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to how they cast Lois. Um, quick, quick downer, but we'll get it over with. It's been revealed that um, Margot Kidder's death was actually suicide. Oh, that's such um, a shame. It was. Yeah. Well, she was doing so well. I mean, she she um, she struggled with mental illness for a while, though, hadn't she? Yeah, and, and she she obviously hit a downward, and uh, it's been confirmed. And um, just to just to get it out there and get it over with, and uh, so you know, rest in peace. Hopefully, she's doing better wherever she is now. Yeah, it's, it's such a shame because she was doing so well. I mean, was it nineteen ninety ninety seven when they? 
when the founder and she was on the streets. Um... Yeah, it was, it was about then. She, um, mm. she, she had gone off her meds and, uh, mm. and, hit, and hit a snag. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, so like, um, I don't know, you know, if you're in any way religious at all, she's probably in a better place now. Yes. Yeah. Although many religions would sort of regard suicide as a sin. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I just, want, I just wanted to get that out there and get that over with uh, to get on to um, you know happier things. Like I said, I hope I hope the casting for the the latest Lois Lane is is somebody that we can uh, look forward to. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to part- think. I'm trying to think of a good actress that would actually be good as as a modern day Lois Lane. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't watch a lot of the shows that the the modern Lois Lane would come from talent pool wise. So. Um, because they're, they're they're floating a lot of other CW actresses and of, of that ilk, and I I just don't watch enough of those shows to and know. What whether. about what about someone like Peyton List? She'd be good. She'd be good. You know, because she's kind of been really good in in a lot of things there and thereabouts, and she's she's proved that she can play she can play comedy, but she can also play drama. And yes. She can also play um, play the villain as well. Because I've seen her mm-hmm. play the villain in something or other. Yeah, she was she was um, the Golden Glider on Flash. She was uh, she was Captain Cold's sister. Yeah. yeah, I think she'd be she'd be a good Lois name, but maybe you know with her being Captain Cold's sister, that might so might be a mark. It's it's too soon. Yeah, I might um, rethink that. But maybe not because if you think about it, that's who you had. Um, you had they can they can do multiple roles. Plus, it's on a different Earth. So yeah, yeah. Well, we think it's on a different Earth. Yeah. It is, yeah, because it's, yeah, okay, because it's, it's Hawkman, so yeah, it's, it's Earth 38, so maybe, they can get away with it. Maybe she changes her hair or something, and they, they change her look a little bit, they'll be able to yeah. pull it off, you know. Mm-hmm. But someone, I think someone like Peyton List might be able to do good and Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's actually the only modern actress I can think of. Yeah, yeah. Um, off the top of um, my head, all the good. others I can think of are either too old or, or not with us anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, another another one I was thinking of was perhaps Adriana pa- 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 Padanaki, but I don't think she'd be able to pull it off. Um, quite no, and, and she's busy with the Orville anyway. So true that that's true. I, I completely forgot about the Orville. <laughs> I, I I've been trying to. It I I'm, I want to support it, but it's just not my show. Mm. Um, I'm going to give it another season. I mean, it's all like um, I, I quite you know, despite the silly comedy elements, which. I can kind of roll with. I think they they did did quite a few good episodes last year, and it's all like it's worth sticking with for a while. I think. Um, talking of which, I think the lady that played the security chief that's left would make a good Lois name. Mm. The one on the Arvel. Okay, that 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 could work. Yeah. That could work. She she'd work. <laughs> you know, but. Um, I'm I'm probably I'm probably going to roll with both the Arvel because it's actually the perfect antidote to the darkness, which is Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, I I feel like if they if they combined the Orville with Star Trek Discovery, they, between them they could almost be the perfect they could almost be the show that we're looking for. So I feel like I feel like Star Trek Discovery and the Orville each have it half right. Mm-hmm. And you know just. Well, talking about Star Trek news, we've uh, we've had it confirmed that uh, Patrick Stewart is returning as Captain uh, as as the captain. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, so so am I. I'm just hoping that they that they find some good writers for it and, yes. and can do it justice. Um, 
But I've been thinking of doing an article about, you know, the possibilities of how, how we could return. Yeah, because with all due respect to Patrick Stewart, they're going to have to accommodate the fact that he's older now. They just are. And um, so I'm, they're gonna, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to write stories for an older Picard, which I'm actually looking forward to. That's part of why I'm looking forward to it. I want to see how a character like him ages. Yeah, I mean... Uh, what what they could actually do is they could actually do it so it segues into uh, all good things. So yes, they could, do, they, they could do a limited run series where perhaps his return to archaeology, which was always his passion, is 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 um, on an archaeolog- archaeological dig, and he returns home and begins showing showing early signs of eremotic syndrome. Yes, yes, which which would tie into all good things. It would, but. That, that's too logical for them, so I don't think they'll do that. <laughs> yes. I hope that whatever they do is is written well so that Patrick Stewart doesn't regret coming back in. Mm. Uh, for his sake as much as ours, I want them to actually give him good scripts because he's earned them. Me too. And we've also got Nicholas Meyer Khan uh, script. He's sort of like doing a, doing, doing a Khan series. Oh, really? That, yeah. That's basically what his idea is, is to, is to do, do a series about Khan and I think it'd be you know based on a planet where where they're marooned sort of thing that could, that could work actually if it's if it's done properly it could work quite well mm-hmm. well I think if anyone could pull that off it'd be Nicholas Meyer yes yeah. um, I mean there, there is a I mean there's a, there's a reason why Wrath of Khan is still a lot of people's favourite Star Trek movie ever, so Mm-hmm. Well, back to DC stuff. Uh, what's yes. happening with Guardians of the Galaxy? Because they're not going to be part of the crossover this year. Oh, Legends, yeah. Legends, um, they, they, they pretty much decided to, well, Black Lightning is not going to be part of the crossover because um, Akil has decided that he's not going to do crossovers yet. He hasn't found a logical juncture for that and he's not going to force it. And Legends, they're just going to be benched because they want room for something a little more character-driven over the, over the three nights. And so they're they're bringing in Superman, Lois Lane, and Batwoman, and Supergirl, obviously, and and Supergirl. So it'll be it'll be Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl. Mm, and it makes sense to be honest. And I think I think what the planning um, obviously is maybe having a Batwoman spin-off show. That that is the plan. They're they're basically treating the, the crossover as a backdoor pilot for whatever the spin-off show is. Um, which is, which is okay with me because they've referenced Gotham City enough on Earth 38 just in passing that, you know, they're, they're going to have, they were going to have to pull that trigger eventually anyway. Because mm-hmm. the fans were starting to get restless. And they can't do Batman because they can't. They, they, no, and, they've, and they've already established that we're not going to see him. So, you know, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, they should just, you know. They've, they've got two different versions of the Flash. You've got the movie version and you've got the television version. So why can you not have a television version of Batman as well? I mean, for God's sake. Yeah, I know. I know. Just Tyson. <laughs> it is. Especially when you consider that um, Ben Affleck is not probably not going to be playing Batman for very much longer. Um, on top of everything else, he's recently gone back into rehab. Oh, God. So. That's a shame that because I thought it was actually a good. He he he, um, he he got the balance right between Batman and Bruce Wayne. He did. He did. It. He did. He did very well. Although the between Affleck's um, now current rehab issues combined with what I've been hearing in terms of the antiquated scuttlebutt is that they're 
they're after going after the yet another cinematic Batman. Yeah, but I've been I, I kind of came across something about that here tonight um, when I was looking around that they're, they're they're looking at another Batman trilogy. I really wish they would quit. I just. I mean, I've reached the point where DC needs to focus on TV and Marvel needs to focus on the movies and they shouldn't do, each shouldn't do the other thing mm-hmm. because they've each got a half right. Yeah. And I mean, I think the Marvel, the Marvel TV shows are actually pretty good in terms they're, of... They're TV. solid, but they're not as good as they could be. Mm. Um, they're solid, but they, they're, they're a little bit, they take themselves a little bit too seriously. Um, they do. I mean, like, I mean even... I mean, even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has started to take themselves a little too seriously. Mm-hmm. And I was actually sad that they're coming back at all. I thought this past season was was an excellent final season for them. I, I did as well. I mean, I thought it was, uh, you know, uh, Coulson going off to die. Yeah, it was, it was actually, it was sad, but it, 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 worked as a, it worked as a full circle season finale, series finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's all like, um, I, I enjoyed the last season and um, I'm a bit concerned about how it's going to go. I mean, I'm quite looking forward to the return of Gotham, actually, because they're kind of doing the... Um, the final season of that one. The final yeah. season, that one, they're kind of going along the route of uh, Batman Year One, Year Zero. Which which makes sense. And it also explains why we're getting Batwoman on, on TV. It's because they're going out on with Gotham and so they, they feel a little less... Um, Proprietary. Why? 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 I'm quite interested in seeing is the um, they're doing a they're doing a spin-off series from Gotham um, about Alfred Pennyworth, um, but it's going to be the young Alfred Pennyworth. Yeah, and it's not going to have anything to do with Gotham. It's actually going to be separate from what I've read. It's going to be for Epics, which is one of the um, niche cable market cable networks here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna be connected to Gotham, but it's going to be a young Alfred. And um, you know. be quite kind, be kind of interesting to see what where that goes. Yeah. Although I think uh, I, I think Sean Pertwee's been off awesome as Alfred. Yeah, she he's Pertwee's um, one of the few elements that that I really really enjoyed. I, I kind of wish that they had gone the direction of, instead of having a kitty Batman, I wish that they had gone the direction of um, uh, Alfred and Gordon splitting the role between them. Mm, true, but, you know, to be honest, I, I, I've, actually, I've actually followed Gotham right from the start, and uh, the last two seasons have been awesome. Um, mm. You know, as in, you've, you've actually had the, uh, the evolution of... Of, of him becoming Batman, of him sort of like uh, getting all the training from Ra's al Ghul about um, how to instill fear and terror and, 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 and all, all of that stuff. It's all like uh, the mythology over the last couple of years on, on Gotham has been awesome, the way they've actually done it. And, uh, and Alexander Sadiq was awesome. He was he was beautiful. I find it I find it odd that Gotham, which is arguably the most deconstructed version of Batman, um, actually presented us with as close to canon racial Ghoul as we've gotten on TV. True. I mean, it's all like uh, it's almost a pity that they couldn't have gotten Alexander Sadiq to do racial Ghoul on Arrow. He would have been perfect. You know, he would he would, been, would have been so much better than the other guy that they had. Yeah, um, although I thought for what he was given that uh, Matt Nable did a, sol- a solid job. He did, but you know, so like um, 
I, I, I just think uh, Sadiq would have done a better job. He would have done a better job. He would have done a better job. It, it's, kind, it's kind of unbelievable that Sadiq's gone from playing quite gungable Dr. Bashir to playing these on like... Uh, these, so these 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 um, indeterminate middle aged batty roles, yeah. yeah. He's so like he, he's kind of like uh, he's done really well in recent years, I think. With, with yeah, the roles that he's, got. he's also done, he's also done some stuff for Big Finish. Um, he's one of the first Big Finishes I ever bought um, was their adaptation of Phantom of the Opera, and he plays a character in that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's, he's, well, he's got a sort of voice that lends itself to audio. Yeah, he, he does. It's an excellent voice. It's a wonderful voice. Yeah, so like um, it's kind of like um, I'd love to see Avery Brooks do a big finish because he's got. A he would. He would be voice. awesome. He would rock. Yeah, you know, I've you know, met Avery Brooks and I remember sort of meeting him and uh, you know having having my photo, the photo that I had bought of him signed, and he's such a gracious and nice man. He's lovely. The one, the, the one thing I really, really, really enjoyed was just listening to him talk because he's got such a such a really nice voice. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you could just listen to him talk for for hours. Yeah, and be quite hypnotized by it. <laughs> but to get to get back to DC, um, yeah. The um, in terms of the casting, the other thing I'm looking forward to is a guest role for probably just one episode they just announced it today they're bringing in a character that apparently appeared on gotham that you saw him called ragdoll oh wow. on flash and they're actually bringing in an actual contortionist to play him um by the he appeared on um, america's got talent and his name is uh his name is troy james and i and i tweeted you the the article with the video featuring what he can do and he's scary and just based on this, I'm I'm really looking forward to because he's he's basically got the equivalent of a real life superpower. Yeah, I think I seen his act, and it was it was uh, quite disconcerting. <laughs> yes, and they've hired him to play um, a, tri- a triple jointed villain called Ragdoll. <laughs> Damn, for the Flash. Episode uh, five. I wonder if they'll get the Aerosmith song uh, to to accompany him. <laughs> Maybe. You, you you know the song I'm on about, don't you? Ragdoll. Yeah. yeah. Ragdoll <laughs> living in a movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they. I I think they need to do that. <laughs> yeah, but they're going to have to be very careful though when they design his costume because he. This will not be CGI. He'll actually be doing this with his body, and they're going to have to design his costume in such a way that um, the fabrics of it are very mobile. He's not going to be able to wear leather like a lot of them wear leather. They, they'll probably have to use something like latex or spandex. Sorry, yeah, spandex. As, as, as spandexy as they can manage. Yeah. In fact, I, I would love, I hope that they have some outtakes of, of the wardrobe um, tests and his, his, his uh, rehearsals. Because I think they would they'll look absolutely excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um so so that's uh, the guy that playing Ragdale, Troy, whatever his name is. Troy. His name is uh, his name is Troy James. Troy James. And the and the characters and the character's name is let's see Peter Peter Miracle. Peter Miracle. Yeah. Peter so, Peter Peter Miracle. Uh, M E R K E L. Yeah, it's it's kinda of funny actually, you know, so like uh, 
Troy James, it's another one of those guys that has two first names. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I know a few people like that in real life, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I always sort of like called them by their second names. <laughs> 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 yeah. So and, in terms of in terms of the guest doctors, he's the one I'm most looking forward to, because like I said, um, this is, you know, he's not just playing this on TV. He can actually physically do this with his own body. So it's, it's as close as we're ever going to get to a person with an actual superpower. Cool. And um, and there and I hope that they just let him do his thing and uh, and really just build the episode to allow him to you know, do what he can do. Cause if the, if the, if the America's got talent segment that I, that's embedded in the article, I tweeted you as anything to go by, they, he, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be freaking awesome. Okay. So that's legends. And, um, he's going to be in Supergirl, right? No, he's going to be on the flash. He's going to be on the flash. Sorry. Flash. Um, yes. yeah, I was just thinking segueing again, uh, what's going to be coming up in Supergirl for the new season. Is there anything outside in there? Super uh, Supergirl, they're bringing in the first transgender superhero, Owen. Yeah, I know about that. And, um, and I, I, um, I've seen, seen her on the Comic-Con thing, and I was thinking, boy, she's hot. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, um, she. If I didn't know she was trans, I wouldn't know she's trans, because she looks like she's always been a girl. Yeah, there's um, not, there's not, there's nothing obvious. Uh, there's no voice op, voice box or anything. And I was no, and I, and I think part of it was because she transitioned young. Because mm-hmm. she cause she came out as trans um, at thirteen or fourteen, so I think when you transition young, before the voice changes, uh, you can you can get away with it and get to a point where you just look like a girl. And if if people didn't know, they wouldn't know. It's only when you transition in later life, you know, that like Caitlyn Jenner, that I, I think it can, it can get a little hard. Yeah, I I gotta you know I gotta wonder about the uh, the whole trans issue as well because there's a lot of mental health issues associated with trans people, and I I, I have to wonder if maybe those mental health issues with trans people only come about when people transition at later age. You know, probably, when, when, when probably they, because um, I think um, her her name is uh, is Nicole Maines and she. She transitioned in her late tweens, early teens, mm-hmm. and she's been an activist since then. She was one of the first cases for, um, um, for, uh, for in I think it was Massachusetts for getting um, uh, being able to use uh, the female bathroom. Wow. She was like thirteen or fourteen when and when she um, became the uh, the um, got that case, that case together and brought it to court. So she's been an activist uh, very early on, and I think she's she's just starting in acting, and this is her this is her coming out role. Yeah. And, uh, well, I've got I've actually got a couple of trans friends. Um, I've got one friend who transitioned from female to male, uh, but I've only ever actually known him as a male. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I've got another friend that transitioned from male to female. Um, and I knew him. I, I knew her as a male when 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 she was a him, uh, <laughs> which yeah. is really really fucking confusing. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the gender pronouns must get strange. You know, so it's kind of like um, you know when 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 he when when he was a him um, for the first for the first couple of months after after, after they transitioned to 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 to, to a woman, um, mm-hmm. you know they. I, I was still calling them by by their male name, 
Mm, yeah, that's a, so like you need to get out of that and, quickly because they had to catch myself. It was really, yeah. really difficult. Um, but it's it's the same person, and that's what's so infuriating because it's exactly the same person um, from 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 what their prior sets was. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. there's, yeah. there's no difference in the personality whatsoever. No, no, it's 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 just the way the way that uh, transgender people see it is that they're they're just cor- correcting um, a genetic oops. Um, that, they, that they were meant to be male or they were meant to be female. And it's just a question of physically and chemically having to, to self-correct. And um, so you, you should just uh, family and friends and loved ones just have to sort of go along for the ride. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's difficult as well, you know, because it is. Not, not many people, you know, they, you know, their mum and dad may be accepting of the transition because they want what's best for their child. But at the yeah. same time, they might may not be completely accepting of it. Um, it you know, it's 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 hard. It's hard. It's, it's so mm-hmm. like it's, you know, it's it's something that I you know, and you know, hopefully those issues will actually be addressed in Supergirl with with this yeah, new the, character. The, you know, that the plan it will be. Um, I've heard two things about the character. I've heard that she is um, connected to. Um, Cat Grant and Cat Grant sends sends her to to uh, to Kara to mentor both in journalism and in superheroism. I'm hoping that the the fact that Cat Grant knows that she's Supergirl comes out at that point. I've also heard that over time she becomes connected to the um, the uh, Legion. Cool. So yeah. You know, we've already had the we've already got the Legion of Superheroes connection with Monel, though, haven't we? Monel and Brainy, who's going to be a regular. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I'm kind of going to miss Win. I am going to miss him very much. I, I also I do know that Jeremy Jordan will be coming back for a handful of episodes. I hope that one of those episodes addresses Win's relationship with his really cool alien girlfriend Lyra of Starhaven. I'm hoping that she either they either commit and she goes back with him to the future, or they are given an episode where they actually officially break up because they sort of just literally dropped her, and I really liked her as a character. Mm. So. I'm hoping they do another musical episode and Wing gets to sing because I thought Jeremy Jordan. He oh, was his singing. his voice is oh wonderful. My God, oh my God, it was so like um, it's like it was like a proper rock voice. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, when he when he when he wails, he wails. I mean, I it's saw awesome. like um, I, I was song. Like, I watched that episode a couple of times. I don't. I didn't particularly like the story. I watched it a couple I didn't, of times. I bet, you know, musical stories are never about the stories. So. But when when Jeremy Jordan started singing, I just picked my guitar up and started just playing along to it and started sort of like shredding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, which um, I'm I'm kind of glad no one's watching me and the curtains are drawn at the time because it was quite late at night. But I just I just started shredding on my on my on my electric guitar. It was unplugged, yeah. obviously, but <laughs> shredding away. Yeah. The the other important piece of casting for Supergirl is that they originally they were going to bring in Brent, Brent Spiner as the as um, pres- alien president Wonder Woman Marsden's VP. Uh, there, due to some um, unspecified uh, personal issues, he's had to bow out, and they've brought Bruce Boxleitner in instead. So. Hmm. 
Well, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, separate those two actors. They're both, they're both very fine actors. They're both very fine. What I'm wondering about, though, is um, they bring diff- a different enough energy that I'm wondering if they're going to have to rewrite the role to tailor it to Box Whitener as opposed to Spider. I think they probably will because botsnightner has got more of a more of a macho sort of energy to him than yeah Spiner he does. Uh, Spiner, I mean, there's a reason why Spiner played Data so brilliantly for so long. It's because his um, it's there's a there's an otherworldly there's an otherworldly edge to him even when he's not playing Data. Um, there's a you don't quite know where he's from edge to him. Mm-hmm. Whereas Boxleitner has spent his career playing. Um, the modern equivalents of the lantern jawed hero, yeah, or, or 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 at least riffs off of that, even when it's not the hero role. I'll tell you a part that Box Nightner would have been bringing at if if they'd been making superheroes back when Box Nightner was in his prime. I thought I, I, I think Box Nightner would have been an absolutely fantastic Hal Jordan. Oh, he would have rocked it. You know, he, he would, would have been absolutely bringing Hal Jordan. Yeah. You know that you know I could I could see see younger version of Bruce Botsnightner rocking Hal Jordan and that oh he would he would he would have just ended it for any other actor who wanted to play that role mm-hmm. he would have been perfect I mean I mean he ended it for any other actor that wanted to play Tron but unfortunately Tron was never as well received as we would have liked it to have been yeah you know yeah. by by the mainstream it was you saw like um, it was always a niche film which which is why the sequel didn't do so good. You know? No, they, and the other problem is that they they handled it wrong. They should have brought out the um, the animated series because they did an animated series after they did the film, and they should have done the animated series before they did the film. Mm. And, uh, well, and they, think, they basically got bass backwards. I think I think to be honest, they were trying to make that film for about fourteen years. They were, <laughs> you know, because I remember yeah. seeing trailers and concept concept work for it about five years before it actually came out which yeah, is actually yeah. really really unusual mm. yeah and um you know to be honest i, I love the storyline of the of, of tron legacy but i hated the music <laughs> yeah they, they didn't get there they didn't get there you know they they, they i thought the music was way better to the 80s to the original mm. than, than than the sequel mm. i think the problem with the sequel the sequel's music is they were too self-aware Mm-hmm. For the original, they were just getting on with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, to get to get back to Supergirl, though, what concerns me is um, Alien President Marston is played wonderfully by Linda Carter, and I'm wondering if they're going to resolve in part the the scheduling issues by eventually just killing her off, and that's the context in which we uh, we get. Vice President Baker. The mm-hmm. issue I have with that is that with the um, with the Red Sun storyline, where we get the the Russian Supergirl um, doppelganger um, from the Haranel thing that happened with the time travel at the end of the season finale, um, I'm 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 worried that they're going to try to do some ham fisted Russian intervention storylines to sort of go along with the with what's going on with Trump. Mm. And they're gonna have, and they're gonna have the vice president, you know, in cahoots with Russian Supergirl. Yeah, it's okay. gonna be that. That that could be rather strange. Um, and, and also, um, yeah, are they gonna make uh, Linda Carter's president into a villain? I think. I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna tragically kill her off. Mm. I, th- I think they're gonna go twenty four with it. 
uh, which is, is not is not. I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong because I I'm, I'm really I I really liked the notion that she was playing this um, this um, alien hiding in plain sight who'd actually managed to make it up to the presidency. Although if she is outed shortly before or after she's assassinated, that would play into the whole. Um, 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 Superman and the Elite storyline that they're going to go with also because no. they're bringing in Manchester Black. Oh, God, no. They better get a Mancunian to play him because I've seen they're, him in... I've seen I, him I, in I don't know who it is, but they're bringing in someone British. They specifically asked for someone British. Well, you know, it's just i I seen the Superman thing, uh, the animated where they feature Manchester Black. And, that was um, Robin Atkin Downs yeah, from Babylon Time. Yeah. And, and the shocking thing is, uh, is the is the overuse of the word wanker. We don't say wanker every other word, you know. Uh, <laughs> so like, I was watching, I was cringing every time he said the word wanker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is a favourite word of ours, but we don't use it every other word. Yeah. Yeah. We're a bit more creative than that. Uh, so I'm, 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 my, my biggest issue is I'm hoping they don't uh, they don't overdo the 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 Manchurian candidate um, Russian allegory too much and give us you know 24 really going off the rails with the the baddie VP. Yeah, that's what you know. I'm thinking the baddie VP is going to be. I, I think the reason they might have bought Bruce Boxleitner in is because. You know, he could actually probably, you know, be, um, he could actually play a fictionalised version of Donald Trump. He could. And I think that's probably where they, they, they may well go with it. You know, sad but true, but it's where they might go with it. You know, give, it give, give, given the gravitas that, uh, that Box Lightner has in terms of range, you know, I've seen him play cold-blooded psychopaths and, and he, the good guy. Whatever it is, whatever it is, he'll play it for them, yeah. You know? He starts He starts out as, the reason I'm thinking that they're going to kill and or out the president, the president, played by Linda Carter, is that they're, in the description for Box Lightner's character by President Baker, they're talking about the fact that he is, um, is someone who can, you know, uh, Someone who can deal with the crisis, you know, and then and I'm like, oh lord, they're going to assassinate her and or out her, mm-hmm. and that's and that's going to then that, that's going to precipitate the whole anti-alien, anti-immigrant, um, and then and then and then bring in the Russian doppelganger, and there's going to they're going to they're going to allegory us to death. Yeah, but, you know, to be honest, I think we're we're living in times now where where the allegory probably needs to be needs to be song like uh, like Sledgehammer and Supergirl. To be honest, true. Uh, but I kind of think they're probably sort of preaching to the choir because I think that majority of comic book readers are probably more more progressive anyway than 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 song like the the minority. Yeah. That that yeah. that song like seem to want everything to be like the golden age of comics where where there were good guys and bad guys and there was no grey areas at all. Yeah, I don't mind the grey areas. I do, I do. What I mind is is having is being hit over the head. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that they at least apply apply the um, apply the allegory with a with a scalpel and not a sledgehammer. Mm. Okay. But we're obviously we're obviously heading for real life combined with 24 and then an, and an evil VP. I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't think I will be. 
Well, I'm hoping if they do do it, they do it well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's the, that's the only stipulation that they do it well. I mean, so like um, the whole relationship with Angix and her girlfriend last year, I felt that they did that really well. They did uh, that really well. To start Damn. off with, I was actually a bit... I was, I was kind of like yawning to begin with because I thought, oh, God, it's another freaking homosexual relationship playing out on TV. We've seen this before, God knows how many times. But then as, as that storyline evolved, I I really, you know, began to sort of like enjoy it and go along with the ride. Yeah, sort of thing, yeah. Because it was actually handled pretty well in the end. It was. Um, it's just that the early indicators were that it wasn't going to be handled particularly well. No, that, well, that's because they don't do romance particularly well in general on those shows. For a network, for a network that touts uh, romantic storylines in the majority of their shows, they don't actually do romance particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is one of the systemic problems. Okay, well, moving from Supergirl, we've we still got two shows to go through. Um, should we go on to Flash? Because we've got the... Um, oh, we, we did Flash with... Um, we, oh, yeah, we did with the... Uh, but we've, we've, we also had the costume reveal, didn't we, for Barry and I? Yeah, they, they, they finally got us a good picture of the full costume, and I actually like it. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I liked it. I, I think you're pretty not... I think you're pretty not looked at it. I, I'm, I'm sort of like kind of staying away from... Although you send me these stories, I'm kind of just reading the headlines. I'm thinking, hmm, this will be interesting, but not reading the actual stories so much. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, I, the, the big thing that we need to know is they've they've changed the fabric so that stretchier that was. And I think that's I think that was probably Grant Gustin going, I need I need a little more maneuvering room. Uh, considering how much actual running he has to do to present, pretend to play the, be a guy who's running, he needed a little more breathability. So they gave him some different fabric. Uh, they changed the positioning of some of the gold detailing, and they eliminated the um, the chin strap. Yeah, I kind of like the chin strap. Mm. <laughs> Could they not just paint it on or something? The thing that the thing that I'm really glad that they're doing is that they're actually his new suit is a gift from his daughter Nora because his old suit got fried in the um, season finale. So his new suit comes from his daughter Nora, who gives him the suit in, a, in his ring. So he actually gets the suit ring, uh-huh. and uh, that's gonna be fun. Cool. So. Yeah. So basically, we've only got really one one DC verse show left to cover now, and that's Arrow. Yes, Arrow. Um, the latest is that we're going to get more of um, Felicity actually developing her own business. Finally. And um, and we're going to basically just get a lot of the fallout of um, of Oliver's idiotic decision to go into prison. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle the uh, crossover, whether they have a, that storyline play out by the time they do the crossover, or whether he's still in prison and's got to sneak out, or whatever they're going to do. So. I think they're going to have to have him out of prison by the time the crossover storyline comes, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I actually wouldn't mind the prison storyline if they were actually going to put him on some new version of the Suicide Squad. That would actually rock. But unfortunately, I get the feeling from what little I've seen so far, that he's going to just spend a lot of time moping and avoiding death. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like... I think the first the first song like, a few weeks of Arrow is probably going to be like... Uh, a cross between Shawshank Redemption and Brokeback Mountain. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just what I. It's just sort of like. Uh, it's just where I can see it kind of going, and you know, um, I forget the name of the actor now that played the villain last season, but you know, so like he. There were really, there were several. It's uh, it's. Um, I'm talking. Michael Emerson was Caden James. Yeah. And then we've got. I'm and we talk, had uh, Kirk I'm, Acevedo. I'm talking so. about Kirk Acevedo. Caden yeah. uh, James was really sort of like written out after the first sort of like first six seven weeks of the show. Were really and and I still can I I will never forgive them for wasting Michael Emerson. I still, for the life of me, don't know how the hell they managed to do it, but they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, moving on. I, I you know I think Kirk Acevedo um, he really did bring his A game to it. The last for the last sort of like four or five episodes. You know, when they when they finally gave him something to do, um, it, it it was it was it, it became next level. Until then, it was like, why? What are you doing? Why is he here? You know, he just seemed like an average an average crime lord, to be honest. To be honest, yeah. Yeah. and I still and I and I've said this before, and I've written it before. I don't know. Well, I'm sure that uh, Diaz, he's playing Diaz is the character's name. Diaz is fine as far as it goes, but you know, I mean. I mean, they've had with, you know, characters like Rachel Ghoul and, and Damien Dark, they've had people who were employing magic and employing entire armies and were at the, were already at the heads of organizations that they'd been at the heads of for a while. And they were even using nukes. And I'm like, Diaz is the straw that broke the camel's back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry, but the internal logic just isn't there. Yeah, well, hopefully they'll do something to address that in this season. Um you know, to be honest, uh, you know, as, as we've said in the past, Arrow's kind of like, it's it's in an awkward position because it was a show that started all the superhero shows on CW and it started out with the mandate of kind of like being a superhero show but a more grounded superhero sh- show. Yeah. So it kind of like, it's always struggled with this sort of like whole sort of like superhero thing whereas The Flash and um, Legends and, and Supergirl haven't really had had that song like Monday. Um, no, they've been they've just been allowed to be what they are. And well, 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 you know, some of us may have issues with individual storylines and and individual narrative choices on those other shows. Um, I like all of them better than Arrow at this point because the other shows are all unapologetically what they are. Yeah, they're just going down the roads. They're various roads, and um, and Arrow doesn't quite know what its road is anymore. Yeah, the the thing they need to do with Arrow is maybe sort of like make this the last season of it, or make it the last season with this lineup. Keep Ollie, but get rid of the rest of them, and maybe next season just do a mini series of Arrow crossing over with Green Lantern. Yeah. That would be epic. You know, because the, the, the issues that are in those Arrow Green Lantern books of the 70s are still very... Those are, those are grounded. Those are grounded. They're, they're those grounded. are exactly what they should be doing. They're, they're grounded, but, you know, you've still got the superheroics with Green with Green Lantern. And you've yes. got, you've, got, you've also got the, the, the differential political views between the characters as well, yeah. because... Uh, Lantern, Green Lantern, I'd say he's more of a more 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 towards the side of of republicanism in 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 yeah. his views of law and order, versus, which is logical, yeah. Versus Arrow, who's kind of like versus Green Arrow, who's more sort of like of a Democrat, yes. in, in, yeah. in, in in concerns of the 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 the, uh, the law and order, but also the 
the the grey areas in between. Yes. That, that keep yeah. the wheels in motion sort of thing. So, you know, I, I think they should do that show. I think that, that show, if they did that show, it'd be really educational. And, it uh, would. It would. And, and it's all like... Uh, and, and, and it just lay bare how, how, how absolutely pathetic the whole sort of like populism is in, in, in modern day politics right now. It's awful. It's freaking awful. You know, it's, all like it's, it's awful on both sides of the equation as well. It's not, not just yeah. one side. No. And one of the things, one of the reasons why I'm um, not looking forward to the Supergirl story arc is that if they go the direction it looks like they're going in, that the problem I'm having is that real life has become so bizarre that even if they try to keep up with it allegorically on these shows, um, the fictional variation won't cover it. Truth is actually becoming stranger than fiction mm-hmm. on, on a lot of levels now. And I feel like one of the reasons I've gone off allegory is I feel like the allegory regardless of whether they hit us over the head with it or do it subtly, I feel like the allegory in general just isn't adequate to what real life is actually becoming at this point. It, it, it's not, I mean, so I think real life song, like, um, I don't know, I mean, song, like, I think with everything that's happening now yeah. at this part in the 21st century is probably very, very similar to everything that was happening uh, frighteningly enough in the... Um, in the song like late in 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 the in the mid thirties to late thirties prior to the outbreak of the Second World War. That sounds about right. And so like it just it just seems to be very much the same. Uh, like, like, it's almost like we're heading in that sort of like, same direction again. Yeah, and I'm just feeling like in general when I watch um, shows that are attempting uh, contemporary allegory in general, I feel like the allegory is not quite caught up to what we're actually dealing with yet. It mm. feels there's, there's a level of quaintness to it. Um, they, they've got to figure out how to, how to match it up and mesh it up. So. Okay. Well, I think on, on that, uh, really sad note, yes. <laughs> we, we should end this before we sort of like start meandering on too much about, about uh, the, the do's and don'ts of angry. <laughs> Hi, this is Jeff Nimoy, and you're listening to SFP Now on Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. Um, that's the end of another show. Um, hopefully we're going to have some interviews coming up uh, pretty soon. Um, I'm sorry, like I've been taking a bit of a break from things, but I'm sorry, like I'm looking to try and get back some some of the momentum that we had going on, uh, you know, sort of like before Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so um, but for now, um, that that's a wrap. And uh, as always, Risa, thanks for joining me on this. Oh, you're welcome.